you heard the passage read before, and I want to walk through uh, Psalm chapter 3 with you today. Psalm chapter 3. Uh, if you would, open up the Bible to that. If you have, I know you're outside here. Um, you can also go to your bulletin uh, that was handed out to you because I've got most of it right there for you. Uh, and I, because I wanted to make sure today, even though we're outside, that you had no excuse to not look at the Word of God together. Uh, the real name of the sermon should be, What do you do when an 800-pound elephant is sitting on your chest and you can't get up? But it was too long to put. So that's not the name of it. But what happens in life sometimes is that we feel like we're being suffocated. Let me give you this illustration. Uh, when I was younger, my brother was three years older, and I would do things as a younger brother just to irritate him, just for the sake of irritating him. Anybody believe that? Anybody done that before? Um, like where he would say, he would hold me down, start punching me, and I would yell, "That's all you got!" And like, and it would hurt, but it was just to, it was worth the irritation. Um, you know what I'm talking about, right? What really got me, though, was when he would, he would hold my arms down and sit on my chest, and I couldn't, get, I couldn't move at all. And that's when I would start to freak out a little bit. Because he would be sitting on my chest. It would be prohibiting my breathing. And I felt like, you know, I couldn't move. And so then I would start to really get worked up over it. And yet I couldn't do anything about it whatsoever. Anybody of you have an older brother? Raise your hand. Has that ever happened to you? Right? Older brothers are evil. Um, I'm kidding. It's 33%. That's all. Um, I, I look at that and I, I go, man. Sometimes I have felt like that with life. Where it's not that things are hard and, and that life is hitting me and I can fight back. It's when sometimes in life I feel as though I'm on the ground and there's even a 5,000 pound elephant sitting on my chest and I can't get up and I can't fight back. And I began to really get worked up over it. And there's a difference between those two. And I think all of us at some time in our life, we've been in that place where we feel like we're on the ground and somebody's sitting on our chest and we can't get up at all. And we can't move. We can't even fight back. And we can't breathe. And we don't know what we're going to do. And we keep calling out to God, but it doesn't seem as though God is answering us. And we keep calling on his name. God, hear my voice. God, please rescue me from this. And we still seem to be on the ground, face up, sometimes face down, unable to move whatsoever. And if you haven't been there before, friends, you will be there at some time. To me, that's what's happening in Psalm chapter 3. It's David, right? Again, we know half of the Psalms are written by David. And here's David, and all of this starts to unfold around him. And his problems go way back, right? We've already spoken Psalm 51 about confession and the need for repentance because of even uh, the prophet Nathan coming into his life and talking to him about what all took place and reminding him of Bathsheba, right? Had an affair with Bathsheba, and then he ended up having... Her husband Uriah killed in order to try to cover up his wrongdoing and his sins. And all of this is unfolding. And his family at this point, he has a mixed family and it's just going haywire. 
Um, some people go, what do we do today when you have a mixed family, right? And the difficulties of that, and it can be hard, and it can be challenging. David knew about it. Here's David, and things begun to unravel around him. So he has a son, Amnon. If you go right here, you're going to start to discover and be reminded of some of these things. Amnon ends up raping his half-sister, Tamar. So start, just think about the crisis and the chaos. And then David, because he's at a place right now in his life where he feels as though that 5,000-pound elephant is sitting on his chest, he doesn't cope with it well. And so he really doesn't do much about it. And so what happens is Tamar's brother Absalom ends up killing Amnon. Just think of this. And so here is Amnon being killed by Absalom. And David didn't deal with Absalom very well either. He basically, he said, you know what I'm going to do with you? Because you've done this, I'm going to banish you from the kingdom. So here's Amnon raping his half-sister. David doesn't deal with it well. And so here comes Absalom and he kills Amnon. David doesn't know what to do with that. And so he banishes him from the kingdom. But instead, what ends up taking place is now you have Absalom who raises up forces around him to go kill David and to take over the kingdom. Can we say dysfunctional family? So right away, let's go ahead and establish that whatever you're going through in life, how, however heavy the elephant is, David can relate. David can relate to that because here he is walking through all of this. And so here's Absalom and these forces coming in, trying to run David out of Jerusalem. And while they were successful in doing that, they were unable to kill him because Absalom ended up dying as part of this in kind of this accident. And when Absalom died, that desire from all the people to try to kill David went away. And so then the pressure perhaps begins to release just a little bit. And the revolt seemed to be over. All of this has taken place. Psalm chapter 3, perhaps it gives you understanding of why it calls out from the very beginning, O Lord... Right? And that's his way of calling out Yahweh. Right? We know Lord all, when it's not all in caps, it's calling on Yahweh. It's calling on that God of the Israelites. Right? It'd be like in the New Testament, the disciples calling out Abba Father. It's that personal name. And so he calls out and says, Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God, Selah, which is kind of this crescendo that's coming or a pause that they're wanting to have. And so he just calls it out. Sometimes we need to call out, you know what? Life is hard. Things seem to be collapsing around me. I don't know what to do right now. There's an elephant sitting on my chest. The foes around me, they are many and they are rising up and I don't know what to do. Oh, Lord. Many are even calling out that there's no salvation for me in the name of God. And he's struggling. His adversaries are increasing in number. 
And it, it seemed as though things just kept snowballing against David over and over, just more and more coming against him. And yet this is what he ends up calling out next. Now, remember, and sometimes here's a powerful lesson for you to learn here. Um, David begins by calling out his foes. He begins by calling out how many enemies are against him, that things don't seem to be ending. What do I do? They're even saying that I, David, the king, there's no salvation for me. And then, after this pause, after this wait, he jumps in in verse 3 and he says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the lifter of my head. He begins right away. Like, sometimes you, need, you have a choice to make. When things seem to be collapsing and falling in and you've got the 5,000 pound elephant sitting on your chest and you're not able to get up, it seems, and everything just keeps the enemies, just keep increasing. Right? I was mentioning it last week when you feel like things can't get any worse and then 18 seconds later, remember, you get a phone call that says things just got worse. David knows what you're talking about. And he made a choice in that moment to still declare the goodness of God. When our temporary trials outweigh the magnitude and the power of our eternal God, we have lost perspective. We've lost perspective. And so here comes David and he says, but you, O Lord, you're a shield about me, my glory, the lifter of my head. And so here's what David discovered. Characteristics of God in the midst of chaos and turmoil and hardship and difficulty. And so here's what he here's what he discovers. And you can just fill these in as I run through them, okay? Very first thing he discovers is the Lord is our shield. Right? I, I think back to Ephesians chapter 6 with the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6 is the last chapter of Ephesians. And it, it shows us the armor of God. And it talks, right, about the Lord being our shield. And we need to know that God is our shield. Um, in Genesis chapter 15, God told Abram that he was his shield. And so David is being reminded of this, that in the midst of all this hardship, all the difficulty, that God is still his shield. Also in the same verse, verse 3, he says, my glory, the Lord is our glory. David discovered that God was his glory. The Lord was his glory. And he began to acknowledge that he was his glory. We see this also in places like 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. But then he continues on even more. He says he's the lifter of our head. The Lord is the restorer of our joy. That's a great way to say it. David discovered that the Lord was the restorer of his joy. That God could bring that joy back into his life, right? Because the lifter up, to to lift up your head, right? We know was a, a Hebrew expression for restoring someone who was cast down in their dignity, Someone who had been banished, someone who had been put down, and they had that 5,000-pound elephant on them, and yet God restored them. And so he's calling this out, David is. So sometimes we need to just call it out. God's the, he's the restorer of my joy. 
He's my shield. He's my glory. He's my joy. No matter. And again, you're going, well, Joel, you don't know how bad things are right now. I may not understand everything you're going through, but Christ does. All of this, this entire chapter reminds me of what Christ went through for us. That he took, he bore all of our sin and all of our pain and all of our difficulty and all of our hardship, all of our crisis. He bore all of that. And he calls out and he says, give it to me because I am the restorer of your soul. And so maybe I don't understand everything you're walking through. But David understood crisis and certainly Christ understood difficulty. And David's calling out what it is for him to be the restorer of his soul. He tells us right here, and it shows us in verse 3 and 4. He says, Oh, Lord, you're a shield about me, my glory, the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. It reminds you, remember Absalom gathered all the people together and this, this group of individuals and said, we're going to go and we're going to take over. We're going to take over the kingdom. We're going to get rid of David. So David knew what it was to have so many people come against him. And you, you can see that in the language here. He says, I woke up. But the Lord, it's almost as though he wasn't expecting to wake up. Maybe as though he was even hoping that he wouldn't wake up. And then David says, but you know what? The Lord sustained me. The Lord sustained me. I will not. It's it's like something triggered and it went off in him. And so it, it caused him to declare, I will not be afraid of the foes around me, the people around me, anybody who has set up against me. I will not be afraid for God is my deliverer. God is my sustainer. And some of us right now, you're just downtrodden and your soul is beat down and you just need to raise up your head, lift the chin, put your shoulders back, not because of who you are, but because of who God is and what he desires to do in your life. He says, oh, arise, O Lord. Save me, oh my God. This is what he's, he's discovering. In these verses, one of the things he's discovering is that the Lord is his sustainer. He's discovering that God wants to sustain him no matter what. In the real life drama of life. That's why it tells us, right? Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and petition, present your request to God. And we know that it's in doing that that what is that peace that surpasses understanding. It doesn't even make sense, but it overwhelms your life. So he discovered the Lord is a sustainer. Also, what we discover in verse 7 and 8 as we jump into those, right? Save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Very quickly, David was discovering that God was also his, that deliverer that I mentioned before. That God was able to deliver him. David cries out, arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. He's asking God to render his enemies useless. That they would not be successful. That's the breaking of the teeth. Don't let them clench down into my flesh, into my life. 
please, O oh Lord, don't let that take place. Don't let that happen. And he recognized and discovered that God was his deliverer. And then in verse 8, as it keeps going, it says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Two things that really stand out to me here. In verse 2, go back, go to your notes right now, go to verse 2, it's on there. The people, this is what others are saying about David. And some of you have others speaking about your life. And you're listening to them and you're giving them too much authority. David begins to give those other people authority and they, he's even saying, they're saying of my soul, there's no salvation for me in God. And through the midst, those waves that are pounding David in his life and through all of that hardship, this is where he concludes in verse 8. It's as though he finally gets it. You know what? Salvation belongs to the Lord. It doesn't matter what other people are saying. It doesn't matter what they're communicating. Salvation belongs to the Lord. I don't have to worry about what everybody else is saying. Listen, you don't have to listen to anybody else. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And for all who call on his name and express faith and have the understanding of the grace of Jesus Christ, you have salvation. Nobody can rob that of you. Nobody can take that of you, no matter who they are. And here comes David, and he calls us out, and he helps him to recognize salvation belongs to the Lord. And then this is what he does. He says, your blessing be on your people. He doesn't say, your blessing be on me. Your blessing be on me. I've had a hard time. My family's dysfunctional. In fact, they're, they're kind of beyond dysfunctional. He, he doesn't say that. He says, your salvation, you declare salvation, oh God, but bless your people. He doesn't make it a selfish prayer. He makes it about the people. He calls out to God for this. This is his exclamation. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then his final request is your blessing be on your people. Keep the kingdom central. Keep your word central. All throughout my life, I've, um, I've been through different hardships. And it's funny, when you share difficulties with people, um, especially when you do it publicly, right? So one of the things they teach you in seminary is that automatically, when you share hardship and difficulty, people will determine if your difficulty is great enough in order to speak into their life. So this is what I'm going to tell you. That regardless of anxieties and stresses and panic attacks and all kinds of fun letters, some death threats and everything else throughout my career as a pastor. I'll tell you this. The Lord is my salvation. Regardless of how heavy the elephant is. I will tell you this. The Lord is my salvation. Regardless of the difficulties in marriage at times. Regardless of coping with loss. Regardless of any 
financial woe that may come about. I will declare that the Lord is my salvation. And none of you can take it. Nobody can take it because the Lord has promised it. And he is a faithful God. So some of you, as you're laying on your back facing the sky and you feel as though the financial difficulties are too great to swallow, the debt is too hard, the marriage isn't worth saving, the friendship's not worth fighting for, the depression isn't worth still battling, please hear me say now, salvation belongs to the Lord. Do not give up. Do not give up. Do not give up. Do not give up. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Amen? And some of you need to recognize, and you're going, man, I, I don't feel like that right now. Like The elephant's gone. I feel great. Well, then maybe there's somebody in your life who has the, the elephant, and you need to go to them and tell them, remind them, salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It cannot be taken. He is a great God. He is a powerful God. We will sing to that God forever and ever and ever. David witnessed it. He experienced it. There have been millions of people since who have experienced it. The Lord is our salvation. He will deliver you. He is our God. Yahweh. Emmanuel. God with us. Praise be to him. Praise be to him. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to come before you and I want to thank you that regardless of how heavy the elephant is, that you are our deliverer. That you're a God that is beyond anything we could ever imagine. That you're a God who is majestic, who can remove, you can remove the elephant. And some of us are just, we didn't expect this heavy of a message today, even short. We just expected to come and eat some chicken and some ice cream and to run, run back to the house. But some of us need to hear that regardless of how hard and difficult life is, that you're still God. And that as much hardship as David experienced in having a dysfunctional family, having people wanting to kill him, thousands of them that he still discovered and he he found hope in the name of God Yahweh that you were personal to him that you were intimate to him that you were relational with him and God you desire the same thing for us and some of us instead of pushing you away and keeping you at arm's length we need to put our arms down allow you to come in and to embrace the heavenly father to recognize that you are a majestic God, a mighty God, a powerful God, a strong God. And it's the beautiful name of Jesus Christ in which we can be saved, that we can recognize how wonderful you really are, that you knew that there was nothing we could do for ourselves anymore. And so you gave your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, but also so that we could experience the fullness of eternity with you. For that, we are overwhelmed and we say thank you. May we not take for granted what you've called us to as a church. 
God, you haven't called us to only minister to those under this tent right now. You've called us to minister to anybody around us, to all people, because all people need to know the goodness of who you are. God, may we be restless in our faith. May we be courageous in our faith. May we be resilient in our faith. May we be bold in our faith. May we be crazy in our faith, God, knowing that the world will not understand. But hopefully one day they will hear. And they will encounter the same God. You are our salvation. We will not be held down by the likes of Satan, for we know that we have been lifted up in the name of Jesus. Christ's name. Amen.